Welcome everyone to Just Crypto. My name is Vanessa. We have another amazing show with you here, a special guest, Mr. Mohawk. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ledger again. It seems like that's all we've done this week. Are <laughs> we going to be talking specifically about Ledger through the lens of marketing and PR? So we spend a lot of time talking about the technical side. We'll shift it up a little bit. So with all of that, I'd like to introduce our special guest today, Mr. Mohawk, who's the president of Caliber Capital Group, the host of the Mohawk Mandate podcast, and the marketing wizard behind Lion Dow and Skeleton Punks. Welcome to the show. That's uh, quite a mouthful of everything that I'm working on, Vanessa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, excited to talk to you, um, You know, with, with, especially with the amount of DMs that we've been exchanging over this uh, ledger debacle in the last couple of days. Yeah, definitely been been quite the topic, and uh, you know I love your pedigree includes so many different things. So I think we're gonna we're gonna go all over the place. Uh, but before we do do that, I have to say this podcast is not financial advice. Uh, the intention here is that you learn more and you FOMO less. So put your wallet away, put your thinking cap on, just enjoy. Um, and let's get going with that. If you are live here in the chat, following along, uh, please say hi. Let us know that you're here. We love to know who's here. Um, and what we love to do here also is just to get to know people a little bit better. So Mahok, uh, can you share your journey into crypto? How did you find this crazy world that we call our home? So uh, it's kind of a funny story where uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019, you know, after being in the space for this long, I feel like all the years <laughs> have melted together at this point. Yeah. 2022 um, was like 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I had a little bit of exposure um, through Coinbase, you know, bought some stuff, held some stuff, didn't really participate in um, decentralized finance as a whole. Um, when COVID happened and I had a little bit of extra time, um, I, I began looking into the technology behind NFTs. And I was very interested as, you know, my, my nine to five, I'm an insurance agent. So I was very interested in learning about the technology behind NFTs. Like, you know, mm -hmm. ev everyone on the outside looking in, um, they think, oh, what's, why is this picture of a monkey important, right? <laughs> um, I think maybe the, the first thing is, well, why, why does it cost a million dollars? Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to learn more about the technology. Um, anyone that has... Uh, personal insurance for, um, you know, home auto, that's typically, uh, what I, um, specialize in, but, um, you have a, a declarations page that has a breakdown of all your coverages. And for whatever reason, I wanted to see if that coverage page, that declarations page could be represented as an NFT. So in my journey to, you know, learn more about the technology and learn more about the space, um, I, I've been on a, a bunch of different teams on all different blockchains. Uh, I've been able to connect with some really awesome people. Um, and that has led me to what, uh, where we are today. Um, you know, it's been eight or nine months since we soft launched on, um, on caliber and and everything that we have there um the the most recent stuff with lying down skeleton punks and trying to create exposure to um to caliber on terra blockchain um yeah everything happening all at once with uh you know the the last month so it's it's definitely been an interesting ride 
Did, did you figure out if you could put the declarations page as an NFT? So I'm actually working with um, a carrier, uh, you know, at my agency or at our agency, we, um, you know, have, we're, we have multiple appointments that we typically do business with. And one of them is just as enthusiastic as I am about exploring opportunity, so to speak. So even though the NFT technology probably isn't there, I feel like uh, the insurance industry is 10 to 15 years behind <laughs> uh, technology wise. But um, yeah, there's there's a carrier that I'm, I'm working with. We've been working together for the last three or four months. And, um, you know, they like I said, they're just as enthusiastic to explore opportunities about insuring Web3 businesses as, you know, quote unquote, traditional businesses. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been working with them. It's been kind of a grind. Uh, but, you know, anything that is brand new, typically, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. Right. So um, that's been an interesting journey. Uh, we're looking to incorporate that into our services portfolio over at Caliber Capital. Um, but yeah, as you know, we grow, develop, figure out what the best route is, um, expect an update on that in the, uh, in the near future. That's awesome. So you're the first person I've spoken to is kind of come into crypto, uh, partly through insurance and looking at the technology <laughs> from insurance. Uh, so that, that's why I love to ask the questions. Everyone has such a unique journey. Um, yeah, uh, Absolutely. Uh, and so I want to say, you know, quickly hi to uh, Prospector, who's here. Uh, good morning. Uh, good evening here, where, where, where I am at least. Uh, Sir Karun, welcome. Great to have you here joining the podcast again. Uh, Sir Karun has been um, the the godsend for all the Ledger discussions. Uh, he joined me for the first discussion on Ledger, on the technical issues. Uh, and so now we get to talk about marketing. Um, so let's let's jump into, you know, Ledger and everything that's been happening. I know you've been following it closely. Uh, maybe... I could step back and let you share your perspective of what's happened the last few days with Ledger. So you have you have a company that is pretty much the industry standard and you know in my opinion one of the best hardware wallets if not the best um that you know you can have. You have that type of entity with that respect in the space um to have the individuals behind that kind of flipped the entire dynamic on its head with this most recent update. And I've seen so many different threads where people have been saying, you're overreacting. This isn't what the case is. And to an extent, I do agree. I don't think that this particular firmware update is malicious because there is the opt-in option and, and it's not, uh, it's not required. Yeah. The, f the fact that there is now the opportunity as we're learning more information for them to potentially roll out like a, um, like a push update where you don't have a choice. Um, it's in my opinion, the, the reason that this is so scary is because of what the next step could be, not necessarily where we're at mm. with this, with this update. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, I've had a lot of my conversations from the perspective of this firmware update is actually bad from a technical perspective. Um, but even even then, kind of even if we assume that it's good and, you know, clearly it's not malicious. I don't think anyone at Ledger has a malicious intent. Um, there was this narrative that they pushed themselves 
that right. these keys could never leave the secure uh, element on the device. Like, and they couldn't even change it themselves. I saw a tweet floating around saying uh, that they couldn't do a firmware update to get the keys off the device. And oh, people are now juxtaposing it with another tweet they said, which said something to the effect of, well, of course, if we can do a firmware update, then we can send anything and we can do whatever we want. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, how do you look at this uh, from a marketing perspective and, and just evaluate the way they've behaved as a company the last few days? So, you know, going back to the, you know, the appreciation that Ledger, well, had at least, um, everyone felt like they could trust what information that we, you know, were uh, operating under, uh, or the idea that we were operating under for the last, you know, however many years with Ledger, where this is offline, this is safe, there has to be, um, or more so like the power is in our hands, right? I mean, that's the the whole reason behind a, a hardware wallet in the first place. But to have them, I, I guess, almost backpedal, where <laughs> everything that we thought was was true at this point, is now no longer the case. So in my opinion, this is a, an absolute nightmare from a PR standpoint. And even the, uh, so, you know, like I said uh, earlier, we've been discussing pretty much every day, the, the last three or four days about this, um, where there's one line of information that they release. And then the next one is even worse. And then the next one is, is even worse. And I, I feel like they're just continuing to shoot themselves in the foot because they're they're not being like it, it almost seems like they're not being forthcoming and mm. and totally transparent. Uh, everyone else might have a, a different vibe that that uh, than the one that I'm getting, but I I just don't understand how you can't like even on the spaces that they had, it should have been a flat out, hey, we might have screwed up. Let's let's take a step back. We're gonna go back to the drawing board and see how we can rectify this. Because regardless, you you need to hold on to that perception that you have, especially as a hardware wallet. As, you know, the one of the best things you can do in regards to security, um, if you don't have that feeling of security for your consumers, then you know what are we doing? Yeah, and I, and I think you know you, you referred to the spaces. Uh, one thing which I found uh, personally a little bit disingenuous about it was somewhere along the spaces they said something to the effect of "Looks like we have no more questions from the audience, uh, and we're going to go." And I know two people who who I trust and have have engaged with for a long time who had their hands up for thirty minutes. Uh, you know, I had my hand up for like ten minutes. Um, I don't think they were going to pick me because, uh, you know, I've been memeing about them for a while. <laughs> but, but I would have hoped they might have picked some other folks. Uh, and so I think maybe that goes to your, like, they, they don't seem like they're forthcoming at all. Yeah, I, I feel like there's information that they're still holding back. And I, I just don't have the, the right feeling that they're trying to fix this by being transparent. Hmm. It's it's almost like they're trying to fix this by tiptoeing around what the issue is. And the issue is what happens next. What is the next update going to look like um, if, if, you know, there's one or, or a few people on the other end of this that are pushing a button to push out a, a firmware update that essentially, I mean, you know, by traditional standards, it's not malicious, but could be malicious from an ethos standpoint, I guess you could say. Uh, 
Um, I, I just don't understand the approach. Just don't understand the approach. And, and I think it's very astute that you say they're, they're kind of tiptoeing around it uh, because there's lots of unanswered questions. You know, one question I've seen come up is, well, who has this key that can decrypt the shards that they're sending out? Um, you know, another question that they were asked, I, I watched the interview that um, Charles, who's their CTO, did with the bankless folks. And he kind of tiptoed around, like, are we going to open source? And then he, he kind of got to the point of, well, open source is not actually possible. And even though you're sure you want that, like, trust us. <laughs> and, and anyone that ends any point that they're trying to make with, oh, trust us, that those are the people that you should not be trusting. Uh, let me, yeah, and, yeah, and to be a yeah. little fair, he didn't quite say it in, in the way that I'm saying it. That's my interpretation. Oh, of okay, it. But there fair. was definitely through through the monologue a little bit of like, well, you have to trust us because we can update the firmware and you're trusting that we won't be malicious. I think that there there is some level of trust that you have to have with your provider but having that trust like having to put that trust in someone that is very obviously not taking the steps and paying attention to the smaller details i mean yeah. look at it i'll put my tinfoil hat on for this <laughs> Bef let's say before this update um gun to your head someone at ledger uh, someone from the government says, hey, you need to give me this individual's keys. And to to cite something recently, look at what happened to Do Kwan when he got arrested. He was arrested with his ledger. So gun to your head, give me the seed phrase for, for this individual. Give me the seed phrase for Do Kwan. We were all under the impression that their answer was, you can do this all you want, but this is not a possibility. This is not something mm -hmm. that we can do. Now, I don't know if that's the case. So when, I mean, over the last two or three years, we've seen, uh, you know, egregious oversight. We have seen so many different things from government entities, both, you know, U.S., international, um, all of them, where their regulation standpoint is very, very uneducated. And now with all that they're doing and missing the mark there to try and get involved with the opportunity to, you know, essentially take someone's keys. And it sounds like that's an actual thing that can happen. I mean, this is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about uh, the way they would approach this, if you'd signed up to their service, it's pretty easy, right? The, right. the uh, government entities just knock on two people's doors and say, here's our warrant. We need the keys for, you know, Mohawk's wallet and your, your coins are gone. Yeah. If you haven't opted into the service, well, it gets a little more complicated, but it's still possible right? because someone comes to Ledger and says, listen, we're going to shut you down or fine you or do something that's really bad. You need to send an update that uh, rather than requiring the user to opt in, just gives us access to it. And that's uh, not to interrupt as I interrupt, but that's <laughs> um, one of the things that uh, Amazon did with um, the Echo, where their recent or one of the recent updates, this was uh, like 18 to 24 months ago, but it wasn't an opt in. The update was mm -hmm. an opt out. So when you had uh, Amazon uh, delivery trucks, there was a way that it was connecting to um, some type of uh, 
connection. I, I don't know the details. Plus, I'm not a, a very good uh, coder when it comes to that. <laughs> I try to pay people uh, for that stuff. But um, it, it could directly connect to your Echo. So to have something that is now an opt-out, where it should be an opt-in, who's to say that the next Ledger update is opt-in? What if it's an opt-out? And I mean, with all the publicity that this is getting and and as a whole, there are very, very intelligent people that pay attention to the details for things exactly like this. I'm sure that it would probably be caught a little bit sooner. But who's to say that, you know, somehow it, it becomes an opt out instead of an opt in? That's a, yeah. a, another issue entirely. I mean, I, I could create a malicious scenario where they send, uh, you, you know, an update that looks innocuous to everyone except for your computer at your IP address, in which case it does something special. Like those are things you can code up. And, yep. you know, I think we've both got our tinfoil hat on now. I don't think anyone at Ledger is intending to do that. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I would like to think that they understand Web3 as a whole, the crypto community as a whole. Um, they, they, I'm, and I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here. I could see how some individuals could have an increased peace of mind with this new service, but they very obviously don't have someone playing devil's advocate where, you know, if, if 10 people vote yes on a team, I mean, that's not much of a team. You need to have someone that's telling you no, just for the sake of telling you no to punch holes in idea and take a good idea and make it great. Right. The, there's no way that they could have had a sales pitch within their team <laughs> to convince everyone that this was a, on the mark, 100% right decision. I just can't see that happening. There but must it, have it, been it, someone who was oh, yeah. sitting there saying like, hold on, we just told people that, that it couldn't leave the device and, and, and now we're sending it somewhere. <laughs> someone must have right. said something. Yeah, and and like you said, I I would like to think that they there wasn't a malicious intent. Um, you know, if there was, I mean, that's that's pretty much uh, product suicide at this point. Um, but I, I hope that with the feedback and, and this is where they're going to differentiate themselves and hopefully um, be in the position to prove themselves as the industry standard where they can see all the feedback and they can come out and say, hey, we missed the mark on this. We're, we're going to go back to the drawing board and see what we can do. I hope, I hope that that is the case. And I think one of the, real quick, one of the best things that uh, you and I discussed was making, instead of all models be available for this firmware update, have a single model where you had to buy that particular model for this, um, you know, this portion of the firmware or this, um, this capability is only uh, able to be, um, you know, it's only able to happen with one particular product instead of all their products. Yeah, and I think everyone would be pretty much fine with it. I mean, people might grumble about like, oh, this is against the ethos of crypto, but it wouldn't be this outroar of people smashing their ledgers. I've seen a bunch of videos like that. Um, But I wanted to comment on on your point of uh, you're hopeful that they'll take this feedback. I I actually got a lot less hopeful after watching Charles's interview with the bankless folks. Uh, And the reason was because I got a distinct vibe of 
well, of course we could always update your firmware. What are you complaining about? Are you an idiot? I'm putting, I'm paraphrasing now right. the, the vibe that I received. Um, but I also got a lot of the, you know, he he wouldn't admit that the attack surface was increased. He uh, wouldn't uh, admit that open source was a solution. He definitely didn't seem to show any consideration to creating two distinct firmware paths or a separate device, as you just mentioned. Um, so I don't know, am I just being too negative? Like, have you gotten different vibes that maybe they're going to do the right thing? I love how you've, um, in, in all the conversations that we've had, and you've used the term uh, surface area for attack or surface attack, the potential. Look at what happens with attacks to bridges, especially. When they add more chains, it's the same thing. That, that surface area for... Uh, attacks uh, any type of malicious intent, um, it becomes larger. Yeah. The the way that they uh, responded to um, uh, what was I'm trying to think of the tweet that you sent, um, and it was uh, followed up by the the backpedaling has begun. I'm not sure if uh, if you remember. <laughs> I, but, I don't. Um, it's been a busy tweeting uh, last couple days. <laughs> I, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> But what, whatever the context of that particular tweet was, um, I, I think that it, it proves your point to a T where if they could at least consolidate, if they could understand that miss, which based on the tone in which uh, this backpedaling happened, I don't know if that's going to be the case. But while, uh, while you're uh, – following up there i'm gonna pull up our conversation real quick and see if i can find that one particular tweet because cool. i so, would like to to cite that well while mohawk's looking and uh one want to say if you are following along in chat there's a few more people that popped in uh do say hi uh you know just drop a hi it doesn't have to be something uh you, you know long form um and i wanted to bring up prospectors comment as well um and they're saying this just demonstrates the professionalism of ledger or startups in general um, and I think maybe the uh, ability to improve that professionalism. And he's saying he thinks they'll apologize when their sales drop. I, I, I'm not as confident as you because I've we've seen some recent things happening in the ad industry and uh, where they've missed the mark. And an apology hasn't yet come. Um, and so maybe Ledger's faster on the take. Um, but yeah, they, they did tweet customers uh, always trusted Ledger not to do that, uh, update the firmware to do something malicious. Um, it, it, it seems like they're spending a lot of time trying to prove that uh, we're wrong somehow, rather than listening and saying, I heard you. This is what you said. Uh, this is how we interpreted what you said, and this is what we're going to do differently. That's the important thing too, right? It's the, it's the interpretation. Um, I, if, if they're in this position where that interpretation can be anything but true and utter confidence and mm. like reinstilling that confidence from the community, then that it's not a good message for them to release. And the fact that, you know, and, and um, that message was, uh, or that question perfectly says it because the fact that we aren't all in agreement should be uh, proof enough that they did not hit the mark on the follow-up. They're not trying to mm -hmm. instill, um, you know, a, a professional, uh, a professional's um, reply and, and trying to save face on this. The fact that there is, is still this questioning of, of what could be, um, I think goes to show that, again, missed the mark. 
So I, I want to show, a, you know, a tweet exchange that I did have with someone from their team. Um, and, you know, I, I want to also, you know, first say that maybe I was uh, very forceful in my tweet here <laughs> where I'm saying, you know, PSA, don't update your ledger device. Uh, don't enable the new recover feature unless you want crypto to be easily confiscated by government agency. Seriously, uh, WTF ledger. Uh, why even bother with a hardware wallet if you're going to do this? I, I will recognize that that contains a high degree of emotion. Right. So that's uh, not, not a logical and emotional thing. And, and I'll say part of the reason is I have a ton of crypto on my ledgers. And right. so it, it means something to me. Um, well, I, and- I think that, you know, this this goes to show. And honestly, I think that your passion in, in this scenario is very warranted because. At least the way that, quote unquote, we should be utilizing our you know, hot wallet, our cold wallet, our, our ledgers, our, our hardware wallets. You should have a little bit of your crypto in your hot wallets to connect to mints and, and do the other things on your day to day. But the majority of your crypto, of your tokens and your NFTs should be safe in your hardware wallet. And the fact that, you know, you, you now feel that that's in jeopardy. I think it's a, a completely warranted emotion to have. Now, if it were, Oh, I lost my seed phrase on, uh, or or my seed phrase um, was taken. I connected to a malicious smart contract on a burner wallet that you use for like uh, DGen meme coins or <laughs> or uh, uh, NFT mint that you don't necessarily trust. Okay, you might lose a couple bucks here and there. Um, I don't think that that would be something to, you know, not necessarily. Like you can still be upset about it, obviously, but it wouldn't warrant the same reaction that I think is justified. Where you know a large portion of your por- uh, portfolio is is potentially or could be in jeopardy. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and and I think uh, you know that's where a lot of the emotions coming from from everyone. Absolutely. Um, so this is Pascal, who's the uh, chairman and CEO of Ledger. Right. This is his response to to me, uh, and I'm sure he was also feeling a, a high degree of stress at this point. So you know, give him that. But he's saying, this is just terrible advice. No firmware upgrade changes anything to the way your ledger works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just makes it more secure over time. What you're doing here is dangerous misinformation. Um, you know, I kind of responded to that. But if I was customer support or, or marketing or PR, and I had an upset customer, the, the last thing I'd want to do is poke the bear. And, and it feels like this is just poking the bear. Uh, and for me, I realized, okay, like maybe I'd gone a little bit too far. And, and I kind of backed off a, a little bit and I'm saying, you know, okay, please provide a firmware version that doesn't do this. You're correct uh, over time, but you're incorrect in this initial instance. I hope there's a compromise that we can reach. And then, you know, no responses from him. I don't want to fault him terribly for no responses. He's probably got 10,000 people DMing him. I, I was going to follow up with that. I could not imagine what his, uh, what his mentions in, <laughs> on Twitter are right now. Um, but also wanted to say uh, hi to Brent. Good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, and Obi, great to have you here as well. And uh, Obi, if you have any uh, thoughts on this too, I'd love your perspective because I know you've been deep in the Bitcoin world and thinking a lot about security too. Um, what is a good way? Can I just drop this link in, in here? Uh, yeah, you might actually yeah. be able to share your screen as well if you're up for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're uh, learning all the new technology here as well. Uh, yeah, uh, for I, I typically do all my stuff on uh, OBS for everyone listening. And this is quite a new uh, share screen. This is a new platform for me. And I'll be honest with you, I think I like this a little bit more than OBS. 
so if anyone from StreamYard is watching, uh, please give me an affiliate fee because I have shilled your stuff to everyone because it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, let's do entire screen. Yeah, and as always, make sure here. there's nothing you don't want to share, and I'm going to put it on the screen. Cool. Um, this was the original um, uh, response that I found that I thought was pretty good. Um, here where everyone has the issue, if you can update the firmware to instruct the quote unquote uh, secure element to encrypt, shard and distribute the seed, what stops you from updating the firmware next week to just extract the un uh, uncrypted seed? Uh, how can you assure us that this isn't, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, there was a two-part reply to this that I think is the one that I'm looking for. And I'm going to continue to look for this. But I, I mean, the the point that is made here that I think we've touched on a little bit is 100% hit the nail on the head, right? Yeah, I think, uh, let me let me share my screen. This might be the one. I've only got the first part of it here. Yes, uh, yes, this is it. No <laughs> wonder, because it's a screenshot. <laughs> I couldn't find the link to it. Yeah, yeah there, there's a link to this as well, but they, um, Gone Batfire just screenshotted it, uh, I think, to troll me for my, my trust. <laughs> um, but yeah, why don't you go ahead and comment on this, uh, Mahawk? So starting off, anything with technically speaking from a customer service standpoint not a great start um to kind of you've always trusted ledger not to deploy such firmware to throw the trust that we've had in them back in our face to i mean it's like gaslighting at that point isn't it yeah, it's almost like saying, sorry, you trusted us. You were an idiot for trusting us. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, it reads to me kind of very aggressive. And I know that they're trying to be defensive, but but it comes across as like, well, you were an idiot for ever trusting us. Why would you trust us in the future? Yeah. Um, and with, again, with the presentation and with that type of tone, I don't think that they're hitting the mark on where they need to be. It, it should be tuck tail and... Even if it's not a big, uh, a big elaborate message, just something that says, we're going to look internally, we're going to at least try to be better than, you know, how we are being perceived right now. I think that that would be the easiest thing. It doesn't need to be a two hour long Twitter spaces. It doesn't need to be <laughs> a, a huge um, medium article. It's just something that gives us some semblance of understanding that they're trying to circle back and, yeah. it, you know, maybe they don't end up walking it back, but at least they, at least they told us that they're, you know, looking at it and, and seeing if it's the, the right way to pursue and move forward. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was you or someone else who sent me kind of the affiliate. Uh, they sent something out to their affiliates. Um, it might've been someone else then. If, um, and basically they were doubling down basically saying to the affiliates, uh, don't worry about everything you're hearing on Twitter. It's just misinformation. Like, trust us. We're going to say trust the right us. thing. Um, which I think maybe you initially respond like that, but when the entire crypto community is up in arms, you just got to think a little bit before you do that. So I think that I have been, or, or the conversations that I've had with you 
um, are probably like I, I haven't had these types of in-depth discussions with anyone else in my network, really, about, you know, this current debacle. Yeah. Um, what would you gauge like a percentage of people that are upset to people that aren't upset or maybe not care? So I see three camps of people and they've shifted over time. The three camps are there's a camp of people who are extremely upset and angry. There's a camp of people who are uh, very much defending Ledger and, and even maybe trying to gaslight the people who are angry. Uh, and then there's the people in the middle who are trying to figure out what the big deal is. And what I've seen over time is the people in that middle have started to filter into the two camps. Uh, and right now, I'd say it's probably 90% uh, people who are angry and 10% people who are defending Ledger. So, so it's, a, it's an overwhelming amount that you've seen that are displeased. I guess. Yeah. And it might change over time as they, they message more and, you know, they had the conversation with the bankless guys and, you know, credit to Charles for coming on and talking through everything. Like he did answer all their questions. I think they could have been a bit more forceful. Uh, they were very, very nice in their questions. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't see it ever shifting even to 50, 50 at this point. Right. I, so again, I, I haven't had a deep dive with anyone else that, um, you know, I, I connected with uh, daily but I do see a lot of it on social media and I, I agree. I see an overwhelming majority of people that are upset with this move. I don't imagine that from their lens, their perspective, that it's much different. Right. So with, with seeing that, how, how do you not find a way to address this in a way to, you know, get, get the community at least involved to a point where, okay, we're going to wait and see what their next step is. And I don't feel like that's happening. Yeah. And, and, you know, Obi's saying that he's actually seeing a lot of ledger stacks, ledger stacks uh, being their fancy new device, uh, orders being canceled. And I've seen a couple come through as well. Um, and that's got to be concerning for them. If, if people are taking the step yeah. of, <laughs> you know, I've seen people return it. I've seen pretty much every other vendor in the space offer some sort of deal, uh, you know, show us your, your oh. ledger receipt and we'll give you a deal or, you know, oh, special geez. ledger 30% off. <laughs> and with ledger of all things, I mean, they never, or, or let me, uh, let me rephrase. They very seldom do any type of deals or discounts or anything like that. So to see them offer a discount, they have to be hurting. Yeah. I don't know if I saw Ledger offer a discount, but definitely all the other guys have offered a discount. I know Passport did. Keystone's got one up and running. I think Cold Card came out with one as well. Um, oh, so the uh, competitors are chomping at the bit to get a little, <laughs> uh, a, a little bit of a shift over to the, the next one. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did also want to stop and say hi to Passive Income TV. Uh, welcome. <laughs> and hi to Cap. Welcome. Glad to have you here. I don't know why the emoji is not coming through, but uh, yeah, Albuquerque. Hi. All good. Shout out, Bam. Um, and, and so we'll get to, I know Obi's posted a few things in chat about potential alternatives that we, we can get to at some point, but uh, maybe take a step back. Like if you were Ledger at this point, you know, given you've had the week, you've had the uproar, maybe you've responded as you've responded now. From a, a PR perspective, what would you do? Beyond what um, what I've stated about, you know, have that that short press release of all right, we're circling back and we need to to figure out what to do next. 
I don't know if there's necessarily a right way of going about this now. And I'm, I'm thinking of this strictly mm. from like a, a problem solving puzzle perspective, because they've they've walked themselves into a corner where they don't have many options at this point. Um, they've they've tried to be defensive and plead their case on why this is the route that they took. That wasn't received well. The original release was not received well. I don't imagine that the next step for anything that they have planned is going to up and all of a sudden be very well received. <laughs> so I, I know that that's, that's kind of a cop out, but I, I really don't know what a, a positive next step would be because mm -hmm. even, and it's, it's more like they chose the corner rather than got pushed into it. If that makes sense with a, all the things that they've done over the last three days, it it hasn't been that overwhelming majority forcing them into that corner. I think people have just mm -hmm. been very loud in their displeasure and they have become louder and louder and louder as Ledger has been missing the mark and missing the mark and missing the mark. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, I guess it's a good point that they don't actually have now an easy way out, whereas perhaps two days ago, they could have come out and said, like you said, sorry, we're going to come back and we're going to give you an answer. Give us a couple of days to absorb the feedback. Uh, and that would have actually, I think, placated people. There, there would have been a sense of, okay, we'll wait for the next thing to come out rather than this tidal wave of rage that I think is just, just keep exactly. going. Um, and, and that's the thing. If, if you, if you can alleviate some of that emotion yeah. and, and, you know, circling back to that and, and, the uh, reply that you had very full of emotion and very warranted. But if they were to come out when you were feeling emotional about that and they said, Hey, let's pump the brakes, give us a little bit of time. And we're going to circle back to this. I would imagine that you would have at least a little bit of time to get off of that, you know, clenched fists and, <laughs> and, and how you were feeling currently there to at least be a little bit more open to whatever they had to say next. And hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that it's, it's been an absolute PR nightmare. Um, I, I hope, you know, as a ledger owner myself, I would love for them to find some way to reinstill that trust that, that I had, I formerly had in ledger. Um, I, I don't at this point see myself continuing to use their product but prior to this, they, like I, I've said so many times, they were the industry standard. So I would love to see them, you know, miraculously find a way to, to get me back on board. But I, I just don't see that that will be the case. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm in the same camp as you, right? Like after spending the whole day sharing concerns about Ledger, what's the first thing I do? I go and DJ with my Ledger. <laughs> I love that's it. That's what, I love what it. I'm using. Um, is there a world where basically all of this just blows over and we're just nothing but uh, a noise in a bucket and the true customers that they're going after who clearly aren't us, right? They're, they're newbies. Uh, uh, and they just essentially, this is successful with a small speed bump. Is that a world you see? It's, I feel like there's a lot of nuances that can potentially go into answering this question. Um, you you might know better than myself. What was the liquidity of Bitcoin when we were at our all time high um, 
what was it like 14 months ago or, or whenever it was. Uh, I don't know what the liquidity is. The price was like 69,000. But... Right. So, I mean, trillions of dollars were, were in crypto at that point. Yeah. I think that it topped out at just like, over 3 trillion. Yeah. Yeah. So c collectively right now, I think we're down to billions or like maybe one, one and some change. Either way, the, the specific numbers are, are not necessarily important, but I wonder if they're thinking markets down. <laughs> I, I have the specific number. It's oh, one trillion one hundred and seventy-two billion one hundred and twelve million six hundred and ninety-four thousand and one hundred and seventy. Because specifics matter. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry for interrupting you. Keep no, going all good. Trends. I I uh, I can appreciate the um, you know putting it on the dot like that. Um, <laughs> outside looking in, and I'm looking at the the marketing team or or development team at um at ledger they have to be thinking we're we're close to the bottom of the market there are only a small amount of people that are interactive in the space right now like you could mm -hmm. have people that are still heavily invested but they're they're just not active on social media they're not paying attention yeah. for whatever whatever reason right and i think you know it, you probably know this um, as well as, you know, for the people that I, I work with as content creators uh, with Caliber, the engagement today is probably not as great as it was back when uh, Bitcoin was at that all time high. So there, there are less people that are paying attention to a lot of the, the day to day stuff, mm. right? Is, is the feeling that they can appease people with this new firmware to entice new users, entice people that aren't um, aren't active right now to come back. That has to be the only like even sort of sensible uh, scenario, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking that maybe this is the equivalent of dropping bad news on a Friday afternoon. Like, no no yeah. one's here. Yeah. So there's yeah. going to be this, this storm in a teacup. <laughs> and uh, by the time everyone's paying attention again, it's over and they've got a new business model. Like Obi's exactly. talking about uh, this move by Ledger is about subscription revenue. They're getting pressured from their, their VC backers because it's harder to find new customers than make money off existing customers. I think that that is much more plausible than my, uh, my tinfoil hat scenario. <laughs> and it looks like uh, Mark Yesko, who's a Ledger investor, also compares it often to like Apple services. Um, and so that, that, that might be another aspect is they've seen other businesses do similar software as a service things. Wouldn't, wouldn't it make more sense to just, well, I, I guess not. That would be a PR nightmare as well. I was going to say, just maybe charge like 99 cents for access to ledger live and make that your subscription model. But Neither of them are good. <laughs> let let me press uh, preface it with that. But I would rather pay twelve. You know, maybe it's eight ninety nine for a year, a dollar a month, uh, eight ninety nine for a year. I would rather pay that than what this most recent uh, firmware update happened. You know, yeah. And and the thing is, there's lots of ways for them to get uh, additional revenue beyond the hardware sales. Like, definitely understand they're not going to be selling a bunch of ledgers at the bottom of the market. Um, right. You know, I don't know if charging for access to Ledger Live is it, but maybe you're taking spreads on the trades. Maybe you're um, charging DeFi protocols for direct integration in Ledger Live. There's a thousand other ways you could do it. 
And then even coming down to, okay, there's this new feature. It's got a whole opt-in process and you re-image your device and maybe it's got a special flower on the device to show it's under recovery or something, right? right. That, that's different than the vanilla device. Actually, it's, uh, it's funny you say that. So everyone that uh, had their ledger, um, you know, and laser engraved on last year's <laughs> meme coin, think of it like a tattoo removal. We'll get the we'll get the ex girlfriend's <laughs> name off of the the ledger and get the new one on. Uh, yeah, I mean it. It seems that way. Um, Obi's also kind of pointing out that even Ledger Live itself, they had their own nodes, closed source software, high fees. Um, so maybe they were trying to over monetize rather than provide a good service. It's very disheartening how often that is the case in a lot of scenarios. Uh, you know on multiple different blockchains, multiple different teams, whether it's product-based or service-based, I think that people tend to miss the mark when it comes to uh, the original vision behind implementing, especially something new and innovative. I can't tell you how many times I've been paying attention to or personally invested in something where they launch a product, it wasn't uh, it wasn't paid attention, like the, the small details weren't paid attention to the right way. And the funds from that launch end up being um, like a fund on how to fix the protocol. Hmm. It's it's almost kind of like, I, I'm not sure if you're a, a gamer yourself, but I, I'm a video game uh, nerd. And it's it's like comparing games now to what they were 10 or 15 years ago, where 10 or 15 years ago, they were a complete 100% completed game. Very rarely did you see bugs and, and things that were wrong. Mm -hmm. Now you have a video game release and it, it, it's almost unplayable on the first day or two until, you know, the patches come out. And, and that's how I view a lot of, um, a lot of, of cryptocurrency protocols that are launching mm -hmm. and they miss the mark and using the funds as a way to, to rectify their screw up, rectify their negligence, you know, whatever the reason for, for the screw up is. Um, but yeah. And, and it kind of goes to show, I mean, ledger has to be um, a, a nine figure uh, company, right? If not, in the billions. Yeah, so, I mean, at some point they would have had to have been, maybe not now after this. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, you would think that they could dedicate some or allocate some type of funds to focusing on the details. And when a, a, a service, a product, whatever, when they focus on those little things, I think people are then more prone to continue using the product by more of the product. So when you, when you focus on that revenue stream over and you prioritize that over uh, the potential for uh, improvement, um, I think that there, you're always going to start behind the eight ball when you have that look, but you, you completely um, complete 180 of what the goal is, which, which is driving revenue. And now, you know, we see it here where they've, I'm sure that they have lost a significant amount of users, uh, Revenue with sales, all that stuff. Let me give you a choice that perhaps someone at Ledger faced, and I'm curious what you would choose. So oh, I, I imagine I like there is uh, an executive who is looking at, uh, you know, burn rate for the company, sales figures, et cetera, et cetera. And it became clear that they had a runway of 12 months. 
Right? They weren't selling enough devices to pay for all the employees. They'd already cut back. Uh, but in 12 months, they were going to go out of business unless they did something. So that's option one is you uh, double down on the thing that you've been doing, but that hasn't resulted in your, your, your business actually being profitable. Option two is you take this big gamble and you say, I'm going to piss off my entire existing customer base with the potential that I have a sustainable financial model at the end of it so that Ledger can continue to exist. And that's actually the way that I'm going to better service those people I've actually pissed off. So you've got those two options. One is doubling down on your existing strategy. The other one is uh, risky in some, some other ways, but targeting new users. What do you do? I would go the third option and fire 30% of the staff and give the CEO a million dollar bonus. Because we've seen, <laughs> we've seen how often that uh, that, that has worked. Uh, um, so you are hired for senior VP of the big tech company right now? <laughs> count me in. Um, but no, I, I think... I think that you, you, there's never a clear cut answer when, especially when you're faced with continue on or pivot. And I, I think that you, you need to focus on both options. If you can take the best parts of each, and I know that this is not probably not the answer that you're looking for, but if, if you can pinpoint things that you're obviously seeing success with, continue to do that and double down on something that people can be confident about the product with in those successes, find Mm -hmm. where the leaks are coming from in the plan that isn't contributing to that success, allocate that bandwidth elsewhere to find the new ways to pivot. So it's, it's not necessarily one or the other, but you, you have to take the end user, the consumer into account at the end of the day. And I think by having a little bit of both is what's best for the consumer. Um, it, it might be a stressful six months because going that route isn't going to be the, the overnight fix and that instant gratification that society nowadays is so accustomed to or yeah. searching for rather. Um, but I think that long term, when you hit that 12, mar- uh, 12 month mark, you, you know, years from now, you look at that, uh, that scenario and, and that decision, I think most more, more often than not, you're going to be able to say that we made the right decision mm-hmm. by incorporating the best of both worlds. Interesting. It does have its own other risks. Like you say, it might not catch on as fast. You might run out of runway uh, trying to pursue it. Uh, so at this point, uh, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to brick your ledgers? Uh, are you going to wait and see? Are you going to go and shop for a, a different kind of hardware device? I'm I'm going to let uh, social media sway <laughs> me and influence me. And it's more That's so, a very honest answer. Yeah, yeah. And I am I am nothing if not honest. Um, I, I want to see what people are focusing on. I want to see what other products are stepping up. I want to see what Ledger is able to do and rectify in the next week or two. Um, I do know that my funds are not in jeopardy at this moment. I know that I need to have an an alternative sooner rather than later. I don't know what that 
uh, perfect answer is for the alternative in this case. So I'm I'm just going to wait and see what other information I can gather over the next week, month, what you know, whatever that is, um, and try my best to make an informed decision about what I'm being faced with. So again, I, I know that that's not the answer that uh, that you're looking for, but I, and honestly, I I really don't know even what alternatives would that I I would be interested in because uh, Trezor had their own screw up and what was it three months ago or or however many weeks ago? Yeah, Hardware had- wallets are falling harder. <laughs> They're all having issues. And I think you say that was the answer I'm looking for, but I actually think it's probably the right answer for most people right now. There's a lot of brouhaha going on, but most people don't need to do anything. There's there's nothing that's at risk today. A lot of what we've been talking about is in the future, or if you use the service or potential attacks that could come by the increased attack surface, there's nothing like bad happening right now. And I, I think that that, portion is being very misconstrued by a lot of people. Um, One of one of the things that I I might be able to understand or can resonate with to an extent um, is the the reply that you got about spreading misinformation and things. I don't think what you were doing was spreading any type of misinformation. I do know that there are others that might not understand the nuances of this situation perfectly. And they are typically, uh, you know, generally speaking, the people that don't know everything about it are the loudest. So I, I can see where the ledger team is a little bit annoyed, frustrated, upset in that capacity um, because there, there is a lot of that. And I think some people think that, like, oh, I need to do something right now. But that's that's not the case. It's it's more of an ethos standpoint. This yeah. is this is not something that is going to jeopardize you tonight, tomorrow, a week from now, whatever. Um, so I, I would like to reiterate that. I know that we've done a little bit of uh, ledger bashing, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'd like to do so in a, uh, an informed way, the proper way. I guess you could say. Yeah. And I think even if you, you you look at my tweet, I was specifically telling you not to do something. Right. <laughs> not to right, do something. Right. And yeah. uh, in all the videos that we've had exploring is we, we're all learning about this. Right? And uh, I think I've started them off most often with don't panic, remain calm. You don't have to do anything. Um, but if you were to do something, Obi's got some interesting suggestions here. So he's saying that uh, Ledger Trez- and Trezor have made some pretty poor decisions. I think you referred to Trez- Trezor's own uh, little fiasco. Um, but a lot of good options are out there if you Bitcoin only, uh, cold card, Blockstream Jade, um, Passport. Uh, Keystone is an option. We had a great interview with the CEO of Keystone yesterday. Uh, if you're concerned about hardware security, please go watch it. Like That's the gold standard for me. I just wanted to ask you about that. I got to stop in for a little bit. Um, unfortunately, I, I had a couple calls for crypto. I was doing some stuff uh, insurance related, and I haven't had a chance to... Uh, watch that full interview yet. But for what I stopped by with, um, it seemed like the conversation was going very well. Um, what would you be in a position to now recommend their product to others? Like, are, are you at that level of confidence with them after Second, that? I, I can tell you what I'm personally doing. Uh, you know, one, firstly, uh, the, the reason I have this confidence is 
uh, he didn't just say, here's why we're better. He illustrated the entire ecosystem and how hardware wallets fit into that ecosystem and what tends to make them secure and where certain people have gotten it right and gotten it wrong. And so he pointed often to cold card as kind of the gold standard if you're in the Bitcoin world, if you're Bitcoin only. Uh, but he did also talk a lot about the value of being air-gapped, the value of not having uh, blind signing on uh, various different transactions, which I do often. And then the, uh, the, the air-gap itself not being directly connected to your computer. I mean, I plug in my ledger all the time. I don't know what's being transferred over there. Um, you know, I'm not in complete control of everything that's on my computer or everything that Ledger's doing, uh, but I'm in pretty good control over something that's air gap from my computer. So I can say myself, I, I bought a Keystone after the interview. Um, it was actually, uh, you know, quite a, quite a blessing. Uh, I, I felt very appreciative uh, because before I ended, I said, you know, I haven't been compensated in any way. And then after we closed, we went kind of off screen. He's like, yeah, can I send you a, a Keystone? I'm like, no, I, I think that's probably the wrong thing to do. I'll, I'll go ahead and buy mine because <laughs> I felt a little awkward just telling everyone, you know, I hadn't been compensated and then getting a free device. Well, credit to you where credit is due, you know, sticking to your guns and sticking to your ethos and, you know, not uh, especially. And and I think that this is a perfect um, uh, categorical um, example where there are influencers and there are contributors. Influencers are people that will toe the line of morality and ethics, and um, they tend to bend their, uh, their own guidelines depending on what the offer is. You have a contributor who sticks to their guns, sticks to what they believe in, their principles, um, and I think that that would be a very, um, very good example of what a, a real contributor is. So definitely kudos to you on, uh, you know, you. being, I don't think that I'd be strong enough in that situation. I, I might say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll go in and edit it to, oh, well, by the way, they gave me a free, uh, a free keystone after this. So, I mean, I will admit the thought went through my mind of like, well, they didn't compensate me before the interview i never said anything <laughs> about after the interview but it's you, you know this is how the mind tries to justify certain things right so, you know i'm human i have these things going on right but uh, it is what it is but yeah credit uh credit where credit is due um one thing that i uh and a point that you made where uh and i love this uh if and i'm, I'm looking forward to listening back to the interview but to be able to like weigh the pros and cons and not necessarily give someone a sales pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, no one wants to be sold anything, but everyone wants to buy, you know, I, I don't want to feel like I am uh, being led down a path to buying something and someone is one upping me and getting me to buy their product or convincing me to buy their product. Um, the human nature behind that and the ego and, and, you know, there's a whole level of psychology to that, yeah. but to be able to present something and, and have the confidence in your own product, especially to be able to, um, uh, relay the facts, say, this is what's good. This is what the industry is missing. This is what we're trying to do and allowing the individual to, you know, purchase on their own where, where it doesn't feel like, you know, you're being led to 
being tricked into buying something, if you will. Um, credit to, you know, having that style of, of sales pitch, because it is his own style of sales pitch, but it is a, in my opinion, a more effective and a more genuine um, type of pitch. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and circle back to give that a listen and see, you know, a lot of other things that, uh, that he had to say about it. Yeah, and it's interesting as you as you're talking about this idea of uh, let people reach their own conclusions to purchase. Yes, I, I wonder if that's maybe where Ledger's made a big mistake is that they're trying to force people to agree with their opinion. Yes, rather than saying, "Here's some of the facts. Here's how it works. Uh, here's why we think this way," um, and and being a little more gentle in how they present that. So when you read it, you're not on the defensive thinking they're attacking me, they're against me. You're thinking, oh, I get to learn something. And at the end of it, ah, I've learned something and I'm, I'm with them. It's all about perception. Perception is by, uh, guided by tone. <laughs> and they, they had a very poor tone in a lot of their responses in a lot of different areas. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> Obi's got the great gray line here. I could have asked him for a discount code instead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Very nice. Um, so I did want to talk about some other things with you. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about as far as Ledger or hardware wallet security or anything on that topic? No, I think the this is a, a perfect segue into Caliber and and the uh, you know me giving you your flowers and the contributor versus uh, influencer <laughs> standpoint. Awesome. Well, let's talk about Caliber Capital. Um, you, you know, you you are the uh, president of Caliber Capital Group. Uh, tell us, what is it? Why does it exist? What problems are you trying to solve? I was uh, in, a, in a prior venture, and there's a very long story about that one. I mean, we could do an hour and a half podcast just about the, <laughs> the prior venture. So I'll, I'll spare you a lot of the details. But I was um, partnerships manager, community manager, um, kind of like a, a two-pronged Swiss army knife at this protocol. And does this protocol the, have a name? Can we talk about it? So uh, Louverture Finance on Avalanche, the founder rugged the project and I oh. was on I was on the core team and I was on a golf trip when he rugged. I Jeez. had uh, and you know I I my my heart absolutely was obliterated because I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm on a golf trip right now. The next rug meme is going to be, I was on a golf trip. You know, you, we see all these like excuses and memes. And so I'm, I'm thinking the worst. I'm, you know, it, it was uh, a golf trip. So I was obviously very intoxicated uh, during this time. Um, but I, I had a, a brief moment of clarity where um, after the, Twitter was shut down. The Slack group that um, we use for our team communications was deleted. The Discord was deleted. Um, all of you know the the essences of a rug. Uh, even though the Twitter said the the protocol is no longer profitable, uh, we're shutting down. Um, I reached out to a few um, loyal community members, people that I I created um, you know personal relationships with and, and that I still keep in touch with today. Uh, I reached out and said, I'm out of town. Here's my personal discord. I want you mm -hmm. guys to round up whoever you can go in there. I'm going to give you access to some information that I was compiling prior to this event happening. And 
I, I wanted to be ready in, in the event of the worst, pretty much. And thank goodness that I did. Um, I shared some information with them. This was on Monday afternoon that the rug happened. By Wednesday evening, when I was uh, pulling into my driveway, um, we found the guy's real name, address, and there was an individual from the community that actually showed up to his house. So uh, there's a there's a ongoing. Um, I, I'm not sure if Interpol has it or um, uh, local police in the UK, but we have um, filed a bunch of reports. And while going slow, I think with all of the uh, all of the different possibilities that happen after the rug, I mean, we we probably have the most information out of anyone that I've seen. So wow. I'm still hopeful. Um, we we were actually able to recover some of the uh, investments uh, as well. But again, I, I could go on for forever and ever about that. Okay, um, that's a crazy story. At some point, I'm going to have to have you on the show just to talk about that because it's a yeah. I I would love to. Uh, after it happened, uh, we went on. Actually, the the guy that does our vetting for Caliber Capital. That's how I connected with him. Uh, our uh, co-founder uh, at Caliber. Him and I. We're both on Louverture. Um, we went on and, and had like a two, two and a half hour uh, episode in exploring this rug. And we, we wrote a, mm -hmm. a huge uh, medium article about it. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to send you over some assets over the, the next few days when I get around to it. It's, it's a stunning read. But um, so it, when I was a uh, partnerships manager there, and um, one of the things that I found most frustrating or um, most difficult to overcome was three areas of marketing. You had your influencers that uh, some had their principles that they would stick to, and you had others that uh, not so much. Um, you would, hey, we're going to give you X amount of dollars to put a campaign together for us. They have their alternate wallet buy up tokens, they uh, shill and, and do their couple Twitter thread, do a giveaway, their community or uh, their following buys it, they dump and they become exit liquidity. Um, not a lot of sustainability in what that type of marketing approach is. You have your shill groups that you offer them a flat rate, they send it to their network um, and they do pretty much zero due diligence. As long as they're getting paid, they'll market anything. Um, from that, yeah, it gets things trending on social media, but it doesn't necessarily translate to buy pressure. Um, then you have alpha groups where it's pay to win. Um, the the higher subscription tier that you have, the earlier that you get information. And then it becomes this weird uh, PVP dynamic uh, amongst a, a single community. So after the the rug and and uh, my, my co-founder and I uh, were having a discussion like, well, what do we do next? We, we have all of this knowledge that we gained from working on this together. We saw some of the problems, like, what do we do? And we were thinking about launching a token and then launching an NFT. And we were thinking, well, if we do that, we're going to run into the same issue. Mm -hmm. Market isn't great right now. Why don't we do something that people are always going to need on a service-based uh, entity? I mean, everyone is going to need marketing, whether the market is up or down. Now, 
the the difference in budget might be a little <laughs> bit different, but it's it's a very necessary service within Web3 as a whole. Um, we found uh, a few people that I had uh, personal uh, connections to, um, basically gave them the uh, content creator sales pitch about coming on board and why it was important that I'll get to in a minute. Um, we approached the, uh, well, Jason from Intelligence on Chain. If uh, anyone isn't familiar with that, highly advise going to check that out. Um, but prior to Caliber, he uh, or his involvement was typically when it's too late, right? Mm -hmm. So, what does uh, that mean from a kind of a marketing perspective? Too late. Well, when liquidity is already drained and people are sending them projects that have rugged, there's oh. typically not much that you can do. So the the thing that I think was most enticing to him was the opportunity to be preemptive and try to make the space a little bit safer for the community at large or the community that we wanted to build behind this marketing protocol. Um, and you know, from, from day one, we had very enthusiastic individuals, big names in the space, small names in the, in the space, people that were passionate about building something different. Um, so we, we took this approach of issues that, um, you know, we, we couldn't find an alternative for prior and created that alternative. We, we now have a traditional, uh, marketing approach to, um, you know, basically what could be and what is in Web3 in trying to uh, finalize on that service, I guess we have since added additional services to our portfolio. Um, the main one or the first one rather would be the consulting entity. We understand projects big or small. They might not have a budget. It might be a, a protocol that is an idea and it might be, you know, two guys, one's a coder and one can run Twitter spaces. Um, they, they don't have any budget, but they want to pay a little bit of money out of pocket to put together a marketing campaign that they can execute themselves. Um, maybe learn a little bit how to create assets, uh, that, that can be reused. Um, and our feeling was if we can get our foot in the door through the consulting, then once there is success, they can circle back and use us because they're mm -hmm. confident in the service that we can provide. Um, we soft launched in September. Uh, we did a couple different marketing campaigns for, again, protocols that, that we had rapport with uh, that were nice enough to allow us to, to provide uh, free marketing for them. But the main thing was it allowed us to perfect our, uh, our service. You know, we, we didn't want to get to the point where we were bringing in client, like paid clients and kind of still in that discovery period mm -hmm. where, um, we weren't sure if we were hundred percent cost effective, if, if this wasn't a, a streamlined process from start to finish. So we wanted to make sure that we were paying attention to the details, our documents, our house was in line. And as we, um, pursued that route, doing other things like, um, making sure that we were in, uh, tax regulation code or in line with that regulation, um, setting up LLCs. We have individuals in the, uh, the US, in the UK, and Australia. So I wanted to make sure that we incorporated somewhere um, where people weren't subject to 
uh, federal uh, taxes in the U.S., um, we could, you know, create the LLC or create our legal entity somewhere that would be um, business friendly, crypto friendly, where uh, we can make our payments to quote unquote private contractors and everyone can, you know, pay the taxes as they see fit. So as we progress through all of these additional things and, and you know, as I call them, uh, our, our road bumps, um, we decided, well, if we ran into them, other teams are probably mm -hmm. going to run into them. So we incorporated um, a, a developer team that is now capable of doing anything from smart contracts to website overhauls. We have uh, uh, NFT artists that specializes in NFTs. We have a graphic designer that can do branding, branding overhauls. Um, we have a CPA uh, licensed tax specialist. Uh, I'm actually meeting with a individual for um, uh, being our legal, legal counsel lead to uh, that specializes in that LLC and corporation creation to give that same structure or um, advice at the end of the day on, you know, hey, this is the benefit of going here as opposed to here or, you know, X, Y and Z that goes into that. And then um, finally, the introduction of the insurance side of things, which I've been exploring for uh, you know, the last three or, or four months. Uh, yeah, probably four months at this point. Um, but like I said at the beginning, it's it's been a really great journey with getting the insurance involved. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Um, what I always tell people is, you know, when it comes to insurance, you don't need insurance until you need insurance. <laughs> if you're going to if you're going to pay those premiums and you're going to pay that money, you want to make sure that it's a meaningful thing and you're protected yeah when the worst happens. So the insurance that we're pursuing is something, um, general liability board of directors, uh, you know, mo most, if not all, uh, bank, uh, financial institutions, traditional financial, uh, institutions rather, um, have some type of board of director insurance. So any type of negligence that can be pinned onto a board decision, they would now be covered. So mm -hmm. it's, it's more from a team perspective, um, one of the things that I, I have found, and this goes for all aspects of insurance is typically the people that pay attention to insurance and having the right coverages are the ones that don't need it. It's the ones that don't care about it that tend to be the most negligent when it comes to that type of thing. That's fascinating. Uh, I thought that would have been the other way around. Cause you want to make yeah. sure that when you do the shenanigans that you're covered. Right. Well, you, you would think, but you know, a, an individual is smart. People as a whole are, st are stupid. <laughs> um, you know, you, you have any big group and you really see, and, you know, especially in crypto, I can't tell you how many times I see a conglomerate of individuals and just think, man, we deserve to go to zero right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you, it's... You've, you've got yeah, these go ahead, services go. that you've kind of built up from your own need that you're, you're able to offer, you know, from legal to, to marketing to accounting. Um, I'm curious how you go about uh, selecting the projects. Obi had a great question here about, you know, what filters do you use to determine scams from a business that's serious? Because if you, you know, weigh in and market for them, like you're involved. I'll give you a, a and I'll try to make this brief because this could be another 45 minute part of uh, what Caliber does. And I, I don't want to, uh, you know, run you through the motions entirely, but we have a, uh, we have an outreach team that 
doubles as our uh, moderator staff in Discord. So when they reach out, they get to um, uh, you know the people that that need to be spoken to for potential marketing. We reach out, we have a conversation, we get them lined up for a private AMA with our administrative team at Caliber and their team, uh, typically um, founder, business, uh, business development, and a developer. We have conversations uh, for introduction. We learn a little bit about the team's history. Uh, we, we feel that it's just as important to know who we're investing in or potentially marketing um, as much as the what. So that's a very big focus for mm -hmm. us. Um, after we do that portion of the conversation, um, Intelligence on Chain has a 191, I think actually it might be up to 207. Um, but yeah, this very elaborate uh, objective checklist where we go through, we ask the questions, we mark a box, we get a score that's printed out. It doesn't always necessarily mean that we don't take on a client at that point, but it's a tangible reference point that we can see. Here's where you're lacking. Here's some changes that we would like to see. What we've found is the more prone that a protocol is to kind of put their ego aside and say, okay, we can, we would like to have these guys market us. So we're willing to make these types of changes that typically says uh, the caliber of individual mm. and a little pun there for you. Um, <laughs> the the type of individual that is willing to work with us is typically of a higher standard and we are willing more willing to put our quote unquote stamp of approval on so, are all these folks doxed that you work with or at least doxed to you on caliber's team uh so on the, on the clients that you work with some yes um, it kind of depends on what type of services they need if they only want to do marketing. Uh, we don't necessarily require that. Obviously, a KYC is great. But as we've seen in the last six months, especially KYC is not a fail proof system. Um, I, I think with the um, with the onboarding AMA, we can really gauge intent behind what a protocol is going to do. And even if they don't necessarily meet the requirements that we're looking for, the, the criteria that we're looking for. Not many people that are preemptively scamming or know that they're going to rug want to jump through this many hoops. Like there are, are plenty of other alternatives for them to just get some marketing and they can rug it from the bottom. So it's, it's made to be a little bit more in depth on purpose, just so we can kind of gauge that in uh, intent. So, so to perhaps say yeah. another way, uh, scammers are lazy and you make yeah. sure that they, yeah. <laughs> lazy yeah. people don't get through all the, the filters that you've got. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a really good way of putting it. Uh, we have a question also from Opie uh, about the, uh, the Gary in the room. Uh, how do you uh, ensure the proper disclosures are made so that the SEC and other regulators aren't coming after either the companies that you're marketing or you for marketing those companies? So there's uh, a a bunch of different uh, st legal structures within Caliber. Um, for us to invest in something that we are also marketing, that becomes tricky. For us to take payment for any type of marketing, that becomes tricky. There are 
disclosures that we have to have on our website. Um, luckily, we have not taken on any paid clients to this point. We have been a lot of housekeeping with the new people that we've uh, gotten involved, the partnerships that we've created. Uh, we're, we're at that point where we are very confident in the cost effectiveness of our product. Um, now that we are rolling it, like we have, I think, seven clients lined up right now. Um, but before we take payment for that first client, uh, we will have additional uh, disclosures on our website. There will be disclosures that we have to have in the content that we create, all of the content that we create, similar to the disclaimer that you had at the beginning of, um, of uh, today's show. Um, for us to invest, that would also have to be disclosed. That would also mm -hmm. have to be something that we share. Uh, but we do so from another legal entity within the caliber umbrella. Um, we're, we're not trying to hide anything, but we, we want to make sure that we are within regulation. So that's, that's actually a really great question. And honestly, one of the things that uh, has taken us uh, a little longer than anything else that we've been working on. Yeah, definitely a kind of a complex uh, web, all of that. Now, you did mention as well uh, before the show that you'd brought on some new team members uh, into Calibre. Is there anything you want to share about them or about their expertise? I I won't share the, well, two of the three members. We have, uh, I won't share the three members. I will share one portion of the entity that we brought on, a little teaser, if you will, for uh, our spaces on Monday. Um, what we are doing as far as uh, content creators on our platform is we have a, a specialist on numerous blockchains. So we have a Polygon specialist. We have a Phantom specialist. What I've been doing with uh, Ryan and Lion Down, the Skeleton Punks, um, I was the only one in Caliber that had any type of exposure to Terra. And I wanted to step in that role for us as a, a Terra contributor. Um, we just added one of the largest contributors to a blockchain in the cosmos and one of the most loyal followings. So not only does that add a new blockchain of, you know, cross pollination, as we like to call it, um, when we're doing, you know, marketing campaigns, it adds tons of more eyes, but loyal eyes to grow the community behind us. Um, I don't want to get into too many more specifics because we have some other things planned over the weekend, but, um, if you are in the cosmos, if you are a fan of IBC, you are definitely going to be uh, excited about hearing what team is coming on and uh, basically all the contributors that are behind them. Um, on top of that, we did uh, we just partnered with a Web3, uh, basically like a content hub where uh, we, we have all of our contributed, uh, contributors whitelisted on this platform. Um, typically, to be featured, they, they have a pay fee. There's a lot of um, commercial uh, entities that use this platform for press releases and things. So it's, it's not necessarily geared towards the individual to pay. But when these larger institutions that have the budget, um, you know, it's a way to pay the bills and keep the lights on at the end of the day. But uh, they have 90,000 Twitter followers and... 180,000 uh, unique readers per month. So this opens up all of our contributors who we have 
had faith in since day one about the quality of content that, that they create, and we can introduce them to an entirely new audience. So next week is going to be really fun in, in making all the, uh, these announcements and, um, you know, showing people, I, I think this week alone, we've added uh, five new five new team members on all different areas. So it's uh, everything coming to a head at once. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, one thing I'm curious as you've been been talking is like, what do you see as the key differences between marketing to Web3 versus marketing to Web2? I think you don't have to, um, you don't have to think about marketing a protocol or in Web2, you don't have to think about marketing a client as a risk the same way that you do in Web3. We've seen mm. what bad actors are capable of and we were launching um, an NFT marketplace, two NFTs, and an OTC marketplace under the um, Caliber umbrella. So in doing that, we are trying to build a following behind Caliber, um, making sure that we expose our community to the right teams, the right protocols is something that we're taking very seriously and we're very cautious about. So... I, I think that that would be in my experience from it, at least, where you're seeing not as much caution or the need for caution necessarily mm. in Web 2. You know, you're you're typically meeting face to face in that type of scenario. You know, the first and last name of the individual that you're working with, their <laughs> business address and all the information. Yeah, not right? too many board apes in Web 2. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when when you get into Web 3 and everything is done online and all especially with AI now you you don't necessarily know all of the potential unknowns that go into the vetting and and the structure so uh, yeah I would say that that's probably the the biggest um, the biggest thing that we're paying attention to especially but um, the biggest difference as well let's talk a bit about Lion Dow and skeleton punks uh, you know two projects that I'm personally familiar with but I'm curious about uh, you know, how you approach the, the marketing for those two, how they were, they were different, and ultimately at the end, how you measured success for your endeavors. So I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent with you on the Lion Dow side. Um, I can't take any credit for the successes <laughs> of uh, Lion Dow. Um, I, I'm lucky enough to be in a position um, where Ryan and I have a conversation um, I'm able to bring opportunity here and there, but it really has been Ryan carrying the weight of everything that, um, that Lion Dow has been able to achieve. Um, that being said, and not to lessen the, the contributions of, you know, other individuals on the team, um, it, it has been absolutely incredible watching people dedicate their time and, and the efforts for, you know, basically no compensation, but they're, they're just excited about what Lion Dow is, what it could be, what it can do for Luna and what it can do for the roar token at the end of the day. Um, but the seeing the passions and the personal contributions has been, uh, a, a true Dow fashion that I don't think we see very often. So it, it's just been an incredible journey working with them. And, and I can't thank Ryan enough for you know, like I said, the opportunity to um, bounce some ideas off him and, and he's been able to bounce some ideas off me and and it's a, a very capable team. I'm I'm very excited to see what the next six months brings for them.
Yeah, it has been impressive kind of watching from the outside to see how quickly they've grown from, you know, pretty much nothing. It's been a, just over a month. Um, it, and, and it all happened on accident. That is the craziest <laughs> part. It was, he has been saying since day one, and, and speaking of which, the one of the biggest um, NFT traits that we have coming up is the, I'm sure that you've seen it, the, the do not buy sign that we have <laughs> floating around social media. Um, you know, it, that was the meme for like the first five weeks, almost it was don't buy. And in the first week, especially, um, he, he flat out said, this is supposed to be a governance token. I want to, I want this whole thing to be something that I'm focusing on that I can showcase all of the builders in different areas of, uh, Terra and, and Luna and, Basically, just try and entice people to either come back, get new users, people to try out these new platforms. Someone put a couple hundred dollars into the LP and the rest is history. So it, it was very, very mm -hmm. unique and organic at that. So we do have a special guest uh, here as well in the chat. Um, <laughs> don't buy. <laughs> and so Geeknomics, uh, hey, welcome. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anything more you want to share about the NFTs. Um, Actually, that that would be the guy to ask. Keeks is uh, the one that is the artist behind the uh, the Lion Dow NFTs. Actually, uh, if you can hold the air for a second, I can get you guys a, a little sneak peek at what the uh, what the NFTs are going to look like. Yes, yeah, so if you are yeah, curious about uh, Lion Dow, I did have Ryan on the show a few weeks back. So you just kind of scroll through the videos here. We've got a discussion uh, focusing on kind of how they accomplished it, the use of enterprise protocol on, on Terra to essentially set up a DAO and, and make it all successful. And to me, what was, was kind of amazing was how easy it was from a regular human can do these sorts of things. You don't have to be a smart contract developer. And I think that's the direction that the tooling for Web3 needs to go to have the impact that I think it can have, you know, as we talk about these permissionless decentralized systems. Uh, so definitely check that out if you're interested in how DAOs work or if you're curious about setting up your own DAO, uh, that's a, a place to get started and you can kind of follow in the footsteps of what Ryan's done. I'm going to ask you, or I'll, I will ask the chat here. Keeks, is it okay if I do Gen 3? I don't want to take liberties with... Uh, with his um you know collection but i mean if, he uh, hasn't answered yet but i'm sure it's going to be yes okay <laughs> but we're yeah. a few seconds behind the live stream so if he is listening along live <laughs> we've, we've we've probably gone a little bit past okay o2 previews don't share all right definitely not going to do that one okay let me pull this over to here and then i will share my screen yeah i didn't expect to get some some lion dow alpha here but i'm yeah really yeah <laughs> all right and then i click on i'll oh, present okay i'm still getting used to the new platform here um so I mean, the the artwork that he's done here is absolutely... You've got to go back to that last one. With the Kuji background? I love the Kuji background. 
we, uh, well, we, um, the guys just finished up, um, the rarity ranking system that should be done by the end of the week, I believe. Which one of those is your favorite? Oh, of, of course, uh, gotta have the mohawk as my favorite right <laughs> i love it i love it um so yeah yeah i mean i think it's it's great that you're involved in that are you doing anything in particular from the marketing perspective with the nft project or is that mainly ryan's uh, endeavor so um we've we've had everything happen organically up to this point um what i myself and a couple individuals over at caliber have volunteered to do um this is going to be uh, again, a great way for Caliber to um, showcase the capabilities that it has. Um, we're going to put together a mini marketing campaign. I don't think that it's going to be as overwhelming as what we would be doing um, for, you know, a, a, a start to finish, you know, paid client or something. But we're, we're going to make um, a lot of assets that we can create, put together a campaign, um, throw these out on um Polygon, Phantom, Avalanche, uh, some other EVMs, uh, Arbitrum, um, and LionDAO will be able to use these assets both for this particular campaign um, and anything that they want to have moving forward. From there, um, we're going to be able to take Caliber and instead of saying, because we're, we're not going to do the same onboarding that we would do for um, you know a, the traditional Caliber client. Um, instead of like co-signing on the content, we are now in a position to say, hey, this is what we do when we bring on a client. So it's more, mm-hmm. um, you know, not that there would be any problem with bringing LionDAO on, but there's a, a system of checks and balances, if you will, yeah. where, you know, even as the the president and founder of Caliber, um, I, I don't have the authority to just say, hey, this person's a, a client now. And we made that by design because... It, mm-hmm whether um, scalability or growth is something that a marketing company looks into. um, We want to make sure that people know when we do bring on a client, they have gone through a very rigorous vetting process that we have checked all the boxes that we need to, and people can be confident. And I think doing that is going to make the marketing more effective once that reputation is kind of uh, established and understood. Um, But yeah, so that's, that's going to be, how we incorporate LionDAO into, you know, with a, a little bit of a technicality, <laughs> if you will. Um, but we we have a, a bunch of applications in with Terraform Labs right now to get listed in their, uh, their ecosystem rundown. So I'm hoping that this will be kind of a, a case for that. And, you know, of course, uh, our way of contributing to something that I think is, you know, one of the coolest um, projects that I've ever seen been a part of in the way that it has all happened organically with such a uh, strong community behind it. Um, it's a, it's a great way for us to get involved. Awesome. Awesome. And I love the the thread through everything you've been saying is around confidence and trust and setting up processes to ensure that the clients you bring upon are trustworthy so that your brand becomes a trustworthy uh, place for future clients. So I, I love that. If we, if we can garner that brand recognition now, when, uh, not all of the liquidity is here. Not all of the users are here. 
when people start pouring back in and all of the other things that we incorporate into our ecosystem, you know, the million different things that we incorporate into our ecosystem. Um, I want people to be able to, you know, they, ha they have a friend that they introduced to Bitcoin uh, two Thanksgivings ago and they lost all their money or it went, to, you know, <laughs> 80, 80 percent crash. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm I'm over it. But then when the market comes back, they say, all right, well, I'm back. Where do I go? I want our community and, and people even outside of the community that can say, go to Caliber. They, they have all of this uh, educational information, these content creators that are based in education, knowledge-based content that you're going to be able to, to find out about new projects. You're going to be able to learn good habits. You're going to have these assets uh, as a an NFT holder of whatever collection that they have to give you opportunity within the space. And at the end of the day, that's, that is our goal to create that opportunity, to create that knowledge based um, effort in the long run. I love it. And I think Obi's maybe trolling here by saying, isn't trust a symptom of an insecure system better to verify. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Getting back to our original conversation on ledger and all the things going on there. Yep. Um, Mark, you've been very generous with your time. Um, and I did want to move on to one last topic before we close. But before we move on, is there anything else about uh, Caliber that you'd like to share or like to kind of dive into? No, um, we we basically, like I said, we've brought on a bunch of new individuals. Um, actually, today I just finalized uh, a partnership with a, uh, a VC that is going to be aligned with us um, that so we're, we're only going to be working together with this one singular uh, VC entity, but they also have a network behind them. Mm -hmm. So the way that they operate is very similar to ours, where their intent isn't to cast a wide net and invest into 10 different projects and just see what happens. They invest into one or two and provide tools and resources to um, make the, the financial investment as much as it can be. Um, that type of view aligns with us very well. And, um, it, it all even if, uh, we're able to bring on a client and for whatever reason, um, we're, we're not necessarily comfortable putting the, uh, developer wallet funds into that, that project. We still want to have an opportunity to throw this into a network of VCs that might be interested mm -hmm. in providing a little bit of, um, a little bit of liquidity here and there. So the opportunities that we're going to be able uh, to pursue with them is is really going to be fascinating. Um, once we d uh, cross the T's and dot the I's in the next few days, um, we'll be making an announcement about that. Um, like I said, we have the the three individuals that will be uh, sharing on the spaces um, on Monday, and we have a ton of other updates uh, coming out. I, I feel like I've been working nonstop on trying to make all these things happen at once. And this week has just been incredible where we've got to the point of yes on, on so many different things. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, I, I love that you've got so many irons in the fire. It sounds like you've got some exciting things to share uh, for next week. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcast because you also do a, you do a show. Oh yeah. Um, yep. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, where we can find it, what it's all about. Honestly, it's, this with the chair switched it's <laughs> it's uh conversational it's um a few topics uh current events or things that an individual is working on um and we get to have a chat and explore the conversation and wherever it goes it goes um i typically have 
two types of guests. One, uh, they're content or uh, excuse me, they're founder based, team based um, on a protocol that we are either working with at Caliber that I'm personally invested in that I come across um, or that I just think is uh, worthy of highlighting. They're doing something different in the space that that uh, I think um, people will appreciate to an extent. Um, then there's another side of, of content creators and, um, you know, the, what we think of the influencer dynamic, large followings, they have thoughts on certain things and whatever is going on. And, um, you know, the, the recent times, then we get to talk about that and see where the conversation goes. But at the beginning of every podcast that, uh, that I do, I ask the same question as you, what's your journey? How'd you get to here? So when you asked me that, I, I'm not sure if you could actually see it, but my eyes <laughs> lit up with a, with a good twinkle. Um, I think that, that individuals' journeys and, and the people behind these protocols and, and uh, in an attempt to humanize the individual behind it is so important. And it gives people, um, you know, I'm, I'm so, uh, so adamant about gaining perspective in whatever, whatever area that perspective may be. Um, and if a conversation can add to perspective on a big picture for a specific protocol, I think it's really important. So I would say to, to wrap it all up in a nice little bow, it's people that can add perspective to listeners are um, individuals that I love sitting down with and, and having this exact conversation with them. I love it. And, and I very much I resonate with everything that you said. Uh, for those who are here, I do have uh, links so you can find um, Mohawk either on Twitter, you can find Caliber Capital as well as uh, his podcast. So if you are interested, all the links are down in the description below. Um, anything else you'd like to share before we close? No, that's, uh, you know, I'm, oh, wow, we're almost coming up on uh, <laughs> on two hours, huh? Um, yeah, I, as you can see, I, I'm a bit of a talker. But yeah, I, I think we covered everything. I can't thank you enough for you know, having me on. I had a great time talking with you. Um, we'll definitely have to circle back. And like I said, we'll switch the chairs and uh, we'll, we'll put you on the hot seat on the, uh, on the Mohawk band. <laughs> Very much looking forward to it. I want to say to everyone in chat, uh, thank you for following along. Thank you for being here live. Uh, for all the questions and the comments, I think that's part of what makes it special here is that we all get to participate uh, and not everyone's behind the camera, but uh, that's okay. We all get to, to share our thoughts. Uh, Mr. Mohawk, thank you so much for being here, for, for being such an eloquent guest. Um, I think oh, we had a lot to much. talk about, and I appreciate you giving us kind of a look into the company that, that you're building. Again, thank you so much. I had a great time with you and, and you know, with all that's going on about Ledger that I think needed uh, or should be addressed in some form. I, I hope that people were able to gain a little bit of perspective and, and are able to make an, an informed decision on what their own next steps are. Uh, and thank you so much for letting me talk about Caliber. We, uh, as, as an entity itself, as a whole, um, it, it isn't the biggest yet. So I, you know, I always appreciate uh, an opportunity to get to talk about it and share it with people. So thank you for giving me the chance to speak about it with your listeners. Awesome. Awesome. And I encourage everyone to do all the YouTube things. Uh, if you like and subscribe this video, I think that helps the Bitcoin price go up. I'm not 100% sure, but you know, can't hurt to give it a try. Um, and we will see you all again later. Cheers. Bye, Ma.